Greetings, podcast listeners. It's Thursday, August 15th, 2019. Why am I doing it on a Thursday? Well, you know, sometimes it's how the timing works. That's just how it falls. That's how it's going to be. Sometimes it's going to be a get-up-and-go-go. So, uh, it's Thursday, August 15th. Last week, there was no FritzCast. I was on vacation. I was in I was in the beautiful beaches with my wife, enjoying time and driving Jeep Wranglers, which I'm still trying to convince her we should get one. But, I mean, you obviously need money and time and energy for those things. And uh, for a guy like me, that's, uh, let's see, I'm working overtime tonight on my day off, plus another overtime, and an overtime tomorrow, and then an overtime next week. Probably another overtime on top of that. The point is, is that I'm working for, I'm working as much as I can now because, uh, uh, because there's like three, three, four weeks until my kid arrives, until our our baby is due, and that's been a a rock and roll roller coaster of a journey. It's been pretty crazy, pretty up and down. Uh, you've probably been following along on the database blog. Frit, or yeah, fritzcastdatabase.wordpress.com. Maybe maybe one day I'll buy a domain so that it's not a hundred words that you got to type. But until then, I I do conveniently provide click links for you so that you don't have to type in all that stuff. If you just follow me on Twitter, on uh, Facebook. Now actually, I just uh, booted up. Somebody told me just uh, they're like, you know what you should do? You should just go heavy on Instagram. Like Instagram has the best marketing, has the best following. Everybody has Instagram. Just go heavy on Instagram. Uh, so I switched my Instagram profile over to Fritzcast, uh, over to a pro account. So I'll provide that in the description of this very podcast. But it'll also link uh, on my Twitter and on my Facebook, all my other stuff. Uh, it'll all be linked up and synced up so you can follow on Instagram as well. Because uh, I'm going to start pushing content out on there. Uh, I finally decided that all the memes I make now, I'm going to put the FritzCast watermark on them because, you know, hashtag fuck it. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. So I'll provide that later. But um, so so if you're following along the database blog, uh, the, the latest entry, <laughs> the latest entry, I, I believe, was just me talking about anticipation, anticipating things. Yeah, well, you know what? That's not entirely true. Because uh, I have <laughs> I have my site pulled up now. And that one was keep stress-free. Because it is important to keep stress-free. And, and just uh, just by example, uh, this, this week... Uh, this week we started weekly appointments for my wife for the checkups because we're getting close to that time. And... Uh, she finally got doctor's orders to, you know, to stop working, which we're, we're in a fortunate enough position that we can make that work out. And uh, and part of that just brought into mind, like, you know, stress. And I was like, you know, hey, we got to be stress-free and all that. But at the same token, you're sitting here and you're like, are we there yet? It's 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 literally that classic kid scenario in the car where you just keep asking, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And the answer is always no, no, no. And you get annoyed at yourself for asking the question almost. So that's where 
That's where we stand with that. But I, I, when I was in Wildwood, it was a wonderful vacation, and I know I lied to you guys. I said, you know, oh, maybe I'll do a video, maybe I'll do a, a, a blog post, and then you get on vacation, and you know what? You just go into, uh, you just go into relax mode. You're like, you know what? Screw it. I, I'm relaxing. I'm enjoying the beach. I'm enjoying the boardwalk. I'm enjoying all this stuff. Forget about the rest. And plus, I was driving a Jeep, which was really, really fun. If you guys want to start entering me in the contests for Jeep Wranglers, whatever, go ahead, do it. Go ahead, do it. See if I care. See if I stop you. It was a, it was a nice relaxing time. It was like you know a nice little last hurrah for us uh, because every vacation now um, until, well, at least for 18 years will involve, you know, uh, towing at least one kid along, if not more. <laughs> so I'm totally... I'm totally dad mode. I'm totally dad mode. In case you didn't, uh, in case you didn't realize it from from the blog posts <laughs> and uh, what was the thing I put on Twitter yesterday? Hold on, pulling up the Twitter account. I could probably just spout it off verbatim. But uh, this was just an actual exchange between me and my wife yesterday. Uh, the oven. She had what's the word I'm thinking of? Brownies. She had brownies in the oven. So the oven beeped, and she went, Honey, can you take the brownies out? And I said, Okay, can you get my gun? <laughs> and she said, Oh, my God. I said, Fine, I'll take them out. And she said, I swear to God, if you take them outside, I'll beat you with my book. You know, these are these are dad jokes. These are dad jokes, and, and this is life now, baby. So, I mean, but that, I mean, you know, obviously... Obviously, that's where life is going. Obviously, that's that's becoming a, a more central focus in life. I mean, that's also important, and it's also life-changing. I don't know if you knew that. It's life-altering. And it's really funny. I hate everybody at work. I get, I get parental leave, and I get 12 full weeks of parental leave that I can use uh, as, I see, as I see fit, uh, fully paid, uh, and... I already said when, you know, for for the birth, I'm taking off a full four weeks because, you know, uh, the, the missus needs, you know, a, a good chunk of that time needs heavy assistance and needs, you know, lots of recovery and all that. And uh, working in a prison um, is stressful. <laughs> so, you know, I'd rather be home. I'd rather be helping. And I get paid for it, so... I'm taking like a whole month off, and then I'm cycling on, working two weeks, taking off two weeks, working two weeks, taking off two weeks, and a bunch of people are like, oh man, you must love that, man, you're going to be out for so long, and wow, I'd be like, you're going to be doing nothing, and I'm like, do you have, like, do you understand what having a kid means? Do you you understand what happens when you have a kid? And, and you take off a month, like, it's not going to be a month's vacation. I'm not going to the beach every day. That's not happening. <laughs> Probably not even leaving the house most of those times. If anything, we, if anything, my wife might get driven insane by me <laughs> during that time. But to say, oh, man, you could be on vacation or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I'll be away from the prison. That's always great. It's always great. Don't get me wrong. It's always great. To not have to go to work. Really is. But, you know, so, uh, initially I was thinking about taking all 12 weeks in a row. That's three months. 
And somebody said to me, yo, dude, if you do that, you will not, like, you will, you, you're going to job hunt and you're going to find something else and you're never going to come back. <laughs> and, you know, it's true. I can't imagine taking three months off and then trying to go back to work because your mind would just be like, oh, no. Like, that last day, you, you never want that last day to end. And then, I mean, I guess some people will get cabin fever, though. Some people would probably be like, no, I can't, I can't do that. I can't. I can't not work that long. So, you know, that's why I split it up. I'm like, I have the time. I get to use it. I don't have to use it, but it's there. So you'd be an idiot not to use it. And if there's one thing I am, sir, I might be an idiot. But if there's one thing I'm not, sir, it's an idiot. So, so I'm, you know, am I looking forward to that? Yes. I'm looking forward to, to being able. I'm just happy I can have the time to be home to help my wife out and bond with my child. You know, am I going to sit here and talk about how that should be, you know, if that should be a right and all working establishments should provide that to their workers? You know, I, I can't necessarily sit here and say that. I haven't even experienced it yet. And I'm not, I'm not in the government mandates of such stuff, per se. But... It can be said, and I think a lot of people are willing to admit that that bonding with children and the family unit and and uh, you know more time with parents at home with their kids is hard to argue against, though. Especially when we're looking at the problems of society, which some of them, some of them we're going to have to talk about today because you know they've, they've they've happened over the past week or two, and actually a lot of crazy shit has happened over the past week or two. And uh, we're, we're going to talk lightly around some of these subjects. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see We'll see where the show carries. I haven't really planned anything out today. This is, uh, I'm just going with the flow right now. That's what happens sometimes. <laughs> just go with the flow. And we'll, we'll, we'll see where it leads. We'll see. We'll see what kind of a journey we go on. It'll be fun. One of the things I did do, like over vacation, a lot of times when I go on vacation, I cut myself off from, from literally everything. Like I don't listen to the podcasts that I normally listen to because most of them are politically infused podcasts. Uh, I usually cut myself off from the politics, from the news, from all that. And it's very, it's very rejuvenational if you just don't pay attention to the news for a couple of days or, or a week when you go on vacation, something like that. You can really refresh and remind yourself of what's actually important because the news media has an angle. The news media has an ulterior has an ulterior motive. The news media isn't this championed golden thing that brings you the the truest and most factual things of everything going on. The news that we watch on TV Ladies and gentlemen of America, the news that you watch on TV, every time you turn it on, that news is dedicated to dollars. That is what that is. That's an industry. It's a business. More clicks, more views, more people laser-focused on it. That's what that is. It's a business. If you think that they are holding some golden standard of keeping you informed, and that they would never do nefarious things, they would never lead you astray, 
No. They want you hooked. They want you talking about things. They look for controversy. They create controversy sometimes. Because that is cash in their pocket. And it really can sidetrack the whole narrative of things. It really can. It absolutely can. That's why I don't endlessly watch CNN or MSNBC or Fox News or anything. If anything, I listen to a lot of different podcasts. I listen to a lot of different pundits, I guess you could say. I listen to people who talk about things. It's commentary. I listen to discussions. Long-form media. That's technically what this podcast is. This is a long-form media where I give you... A lot of times I give you my opinion on things. And I tell you that straight up. I don't lie. I don't hide that aspect. Sometimes we are talking about news. Sometimes we're talking about events that are happening. And that involves research and fact-finding and basing opinions off of facts. But a lot of things are subject to perspective. A lot of things are subject to interpretation. And that is the world that we live in. A lot of, Some stuff is cut and dried, for sure. Some stuff is cut and dried. A lot of it, though, in terms of philosophically speaking, there's a lot more complications to the whole thing. For instance, I've been waiting for this all since... Last weekend. I've been waiting for this all since last weekend. Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein. My favorite thing on the internet right now is anything to do with Jeffrey Epstein. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I'm I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not. I do love reading conspiracy theories. I do love hearing conspiracy theories from people because... Sometimes they range from unique, uh, creative, you know, ways of thinking. And they, they range from that to totally convoluted and batshit insane. And I'm talking Marianne Williamson batshit insane. All right. Dark psychic force. They can be extremely fun to read and to think about and to analyze. A lot of times, I don't think there's a lot of credence to conspiracy theories. A lot of times I think there's caveats and conveniences and other things like that. Jeffrey Epstein, a, a billionaire financier with a private island in the, in the United States Virgin Islands, Gets busted on this alleged prostitution ring that involved child trafficking and involved very, very big, famous, expensive names. Including the likes of Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, Alec Baldwin, a, a laundry list of actors and other wealthy people. Jeffrey Epstein gets picked up and within 
within days, within hours, this whole up and down story starts to starts moving. This whole roller coaster, high profile case. This is a big, high profile, multinational, uh, multinational. Nation, it's nationwide here, obviously, but it's multinational. It, it spreads out towards a worldwide thing. This is a very big controversy, if you will. Let me just go through a brief timeline of Jeffrey Epstein for you. And I'm pulling this. I am pulling this from Fox News. Oh my God, I can't believe you read Fox News. Here's just a timeline to go by. All right. January 20th, 1953, Epstein is born in Brooklyn, New York. From 69 to 71, after high school, Epstein takes physics classes at Manhattan Cooper's Union and enrolls in New York University's Courant Institute, uh, though he leaves without a degree, according to a 2002 New York Magazine profile. 73 to 75, he's described by some around him as a math genius. Epstein teaches calculus and physics at the Dalton School on Manhattan's Upper East Side without having a degree, according to the magazine. Epstein attracts the attention of the Wall Street-connected father of a student who tells him to reach out to Ace Greenberg, a senior partner at Bear, and Stern, or Bear Stearns. His rise to prominence, 76, he joins Bear Stearns as a junior assistant to a floor trader at the American Stock Exchange before rapidly rising through the ranks and becoming a partner by 1980. 1981, a year after making partner, he leaves Bear Stearns and sets up his own money-managing business, which caters exclusively to billionaires. His most notable client is billionaire businessman Les Wexner, according to Bloomberg. After Epstein's death, CNBC reports that Wexner and his representatives have turned over documents to authorities allegedly showing Epstein may have misappropriated money. How Epstein accumulated his wealth is unclear. His net worth has inspired speculation but remains murky. Federal prosecutors noted a mysterious gap in his financial records at a hearing in July. In the 2000s, Epstein has invested millions into Bear Stearns, high-grade structure credit strategies, enhanced leverage hedge fund. Man, that was a lot. According to WLNY-TV, the, the fund is later considered to be a ticking time bomb that factored into the collapse of Bear Stearns during the 2008 financial crisis, according to the station. Accusations. March 2005, for Florida police investigate Jeffrey Epstein for sexual battery following accusations that he paid female minors for sex. October 20th, 2005, with the police probe in full sprint in full swing, investigators research or execute a search warrant on Epstein's Florida home. May 2006, a probable cause affidavit is filed against Epstein by Palm Beach police, accusing him of four counts of unlawful sex with minors and one count of molestation. June 2006, the grand jury hears from only one accuser and returns an indictment for a single count of solicitation of prostitution. July 2006, FBI opens a federal investigation on Epstein that involves multiple accusers in various states, including New York. Plea deal and sex offender status, 2007 to 2008, Epstein's legal team negotiates terms of a plea deal with then-U.S. Attorney Alexander Acosta in Miami. June 30th, 2008, Epstein pleads guilty to one count of solicitation of prostitution and one count of solicitation of prostitution of a minor under the age of 18. 
Epstein is given a sentence of 18 months in jail plus one year community service, and he required to register as a sex offender. Money don't talk, though. October 2008, Epstein begins work release from the Palm Beach County Stockade. He is picked up by his private driver six days a week and transported to an office in West Palm Beach where he accepts visitors for up to 12 hours a day. He returns to the stockade in the evenings to sleep. July 7, 2009, Epstein is released after a 13-month stint at the Palm Beach County Stockade five months early. 2009, September, details of Epstein's plea deal are made public. Additionally, at this time, there were at least a dozen civil lawsuits filed by women who alleged they were molested by Epstein when they were underage. November 2011, a New York court appeals upheld a lower court's ruling that Epstein must register as a level 3 sex offender. According to the New York State Guidelines, a level 3 classification means the offender is a high risk of repeat offense and a threat to public safety exists. June 2017, President Trump nominates former Miami U.S. Attorney Alexander Acosta as U.S. Secretary of Labor. During his confirmation hearing, Acosta briefly addressed questions about the deal he approved for Epstein, and one lawmaker requests more records from the Epstein case. Acosta is confirmed. The case reopens. February 2019, the Justice Department says it's open an investigation into federal prosecutors' handling of Epstein's plea deal. The Department's Office of Professional Responsibility intends to examine whether professional misconduct occurred in the highly publicized case. U.S. District Judge Kenneth Mara rules federal prosecutors overseeing the case violated the law by concealing from underage alleged victims the existence of the plea deal that shielded Epstein from federal charges. Then comes the real timeline. July 2nd, 2019, a sealed indictment is filed charging Epstein with sex trafficking of minors and conspiracy to commit sex trafficking of minors. July 6, 2019, he's arrested after his plane lands in in Teterboro, New Jersey. July 8th, Epstein's indictment is unsealed and he pleads not guilty at his arraignment. July 18th, Epstein is denied bail. July 23rd, Epstein is reportedly found unconscious with neck injuries in his cell at the Metropolitan Correctional Center. It is unclear whether the injury was self-inflicted or the result of an insult by another inmate. August 10th, Epstein is found dead in his Manhattan cell. His cellmate was reportedly removed from the cell hours before Epstein's death. Guards had reportedly not checked in on Epstein for several hours, though such checks were required at half-hour intervals. August 11th, autopsy is performed. The chief medical examiner releases a statement saying the office needs more information before determining Epstein's cause of death. August 12th, Attorney General William Barr describes serious irregularities at the facility where Epstein was held. Barr vows a full investigation by the FBI and the department inspector. That's the time. That's the life and times of Jeffrey Epstein. Now, a lot of this cycles around a little black book that in 2009 was sealed by the FBI. And in that little black book, or an annotated copy of that little black book, mind you, uh, contains entries for, you know, people like Alec Baldwin and Ralph Phineas and Griffin Dunn and New York Post gossip Richard Johnson and Ted Kennedy and David Koch and uh, filmmaker Andrew Jarecki and 
a bunch of other people, um, including many of those, many of those entries included Donald Trump, Courtney Love, um, Alan Dershowitz. Although I've heard from Alan Dershowitz has been on Glenn Beck's program, I believe it was, to refute those claims and refute any knowledge of anything Epstein was doing, uh, including his flight logs and all that stuff. Um, in addition, and I'm reading this from UNV.IS, but this is stuff that's listed in his black books and the documents as well. It says, quote, in addition to the names above, as well as scores of apparent underage victims in Florida, New Mexico, California, Paris, and the United Kingdom, listed under the rubric of massage, the circled entries include billionaire Leslie Wexer, former New Mexico governor Bruce King, former New Mexico governor and Democratic presidential hopeful Bill Richardson, Peter Soros, the nephew of George Soros, former Miss Sweden, and socialite New York City doctor Ava Anderson Dubin. Point is that this case has been going on for so long. He was in the mix with so many big names and big money. He had a private island in the U.S. Virgin Islands. He had a private jet. Countless cases coming forward against him. He gets nabbed. He's in federal custody. These are the federal charges. He's got a spotlight on him, and some big wig players that are named in this are insignificant positions as we speak, or have significant status as we speak. So, everybody's been talking about Jeffrey Epstein conspiracies, all right? Mind you, a couple of weeks prior to his apparent suicide, he is found Nearly beaten to death. That's what the article said. It said he was found nearly beaten to death almost. And they're unsure whether it was another inmate or self-inflicted from Epstein himself. Epstein goes on suicide watch. And then suddenly, somehow, someway, kills himself. Now I told you. (laughs) I told you. I don't believe in conspiracy theories, per se. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I do love hearing them. I do love picking them apart. And you know what? I think the biggest conspiracy theory there is right now, that Jeffrey Epstein just point-blank killed himself. That, I think, is the biggest conspiracy theory of all that's being talked about. The official story, I think, is the conspiracy theory. Because to me, at least anyway, there's way too many big names and implications in this case. And to think it's so cut and dried. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. And it's 2019, and people just expect people to accept things at face value. (laughs) It's, It's quite amazing. All the things that have to line up for this to happen the way that they say it happened. Just too many. Just too many conveniences. I mean, 
Would Jeffrey Epstein have reason to kill himself? Yeah. Yeah. He's a big wig that pretty much finally lost everything. Because this time it was going to come crashing down on him. This time it wasn't going to be one of those, oh, here's the under the, table, under the table thing, here's the plea deal, here's my money, you know, and uh, boom, he doesn't end up doing hardly anything. That wasn't going to be the, that this time. So he had a, he had pretty much lost everything. Could that be enough for him to kill himself? Sure. I I don't know Epstein's personality, but I imagine if you were a bigwig like that and that rubbing elbows with that many people, you'd have to have some kind of assumption that everybody's going to play fair. Because if Big Dog goes down, Big Dog will take everybody down with him. I mean, everybody, everybody that he had in these documents, everybody that he was rubbing elbows with, everybody that he was hooking up on this, he could have taken down. He had all the leverage in the world. And he kills himself? He kills himself? I mean, I could see the pressure getting to him. I could see him just wanting it out. Maybe. But I'm just thinking if I was in his position, not that I ever would because I would never be involved in a big sex trafficking thing of underage minors. Not in a million fucking years. But you would have to think that he would take people down with him. You would have to think that. You would have to think that. And there's another reason I think that as well. Uh, There's another reason I think that you can't accept it as cut and dried, as, oh, the prison guards fell asleep. Uh, One of the guys on him wasn't even like a full-fledged officer. All right? This, mind you, (laughs) this, mind you, I can't speak, because prisons around the nation are all different. Yeah, yeah, I work in a prison, sure. Around the nation, they're all different. Around the nation, like every prison is different from the next. Even here in the same unified system where I'm at, each prison is different. So it's hard to say anything in terms of that. But considering how high profile a case he was, usually you get read a riot act about how you have to be on your P's and Q's ultimately because the spotlight is on you. So either everybody in this Manhattan jail is a is a dumbass because they weren't because they, they didn't do the riot act P's and Q's, or there's something more. And the other reason I say that is the Washington Post re- reported this very morning. <laughs> Mind you, when the when the autopsy was done, the initial results was we need more information. How do you need more information? You're you're the coroner. You did the autopsy. You're coming. You're coming up with the with the with what kill? Yeah, this is how he died. This is most likely how he died. And you're saying you need more information? What? What? Washington Post released this morning: autopsy finds broken bones in Jeffrey Epstein's neck, deepening questions around his death. Down in this article, quote: 
An autopsy found that financier Jeffrey Epstein suffered multiple breaks in his neck bones, according to two people familiar with the findings, deepening the mystery about the circumstances around his death. Among the bones broken in Epstein's neck was the, hy- was the hyoid bone, which in men is near the Adam's apple, towards the front of the neck. All right, Such breaks can occur in those who hang themselves, particularly if they are older, according to forensics experts and studies on the subject, but they are more common in victims of homicide by strangulation, the experts said. The details are the first findings to emerge from the autopsy of of Epstein, a convicted sex offender and multimillionaire in federal custody on charges of sex trafficking. He died early Saturday morning after guards found him hanging in a cell at the Metropolitan Correctional Center in Manhattan, and he could not be revived. And mind you, this article either further states, people familiar with the autopsy who spoke on the condition of anonymity due to the sensitive stage of the investigation said Samson's office is seeking additional information on Epstein's condition in the hours before his death. That could include video evidence of the jail hallways, which may establish whether anyone entered Epstein's cell during the night he died, results of a toxicology screening to determine if there was any unusual substance in his body, and interviews with guards and inmates who were near his cell. My point is that he's such a high-profile case. He's such a high-profile case that your typical jailhouse answers of understaffing, overwhelmed staffing, fatigued staffing, don't really cut it considering how high profile he would have been. Extra measures would have been given for a guy that high profile. Extra resources would have been given for a guy that high profile because you don't want to fuck up a big federal case like that. Not in that manner. Granted, somebody wants to commit suicide in a prison. Let me tell you something, folks. It only takes, what, like two to three minutes to cut off oxygen to your brain and you're dead? You're, you're a goner? That's, that's it. That's all it takes. Half-hour checks don't cover that. You know? You do a half-hour check and somebody's smart enough, they're going to get it done. It's not that hard to get it done. And somebody that wants to commit suicide is not going to give indications that they want to commit suicide. Somebody who is truly determined to do it will not give off that vibe because they don't want you to save them. They have a plan. They're going to execute it. They know how they're going to execute it. And there's no 100% foolproof way to prevent that from happening. Absolutely not. But try to sell me that Epstein just killed himself and this is cut and dried and case closed. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Now, we could raffle on it for hours and hours and hours. I'm not going to do that. Don't want to do that. (laughs) But it's fun to watch on the social media platforms and all that. Very fun to watch and figure it out. (laughs) Very fun to watch and figure it out. But this is going to be going on for a while. There's going to be more details released. There's going to be more things going on for sure. But... If you want my honest opinion, I'm not accepting anything at face value for it. Nope. Nope. Not going to do it. Can't do it. Won't do it. 
Next subject, please. Next subject. My God. Um, mind you, while this has happened, there have been something along the lines of two, well, now I guess three mass shooting events. One at a Walmart, one in Dayton, Ohio, and one just yesterday in Philly that involved a man holding up in his house and shooting six officers and injuring three other people in an hours-long standoff and shoot-off. All this is going on around the country. Now, whether or not that's conveniently happening, I mean, there's people that want to talk about false flags and, and, and red flags and all that. I mean, you know, because of what's going on, gun control and and the Second Amendment obviously gets pushed up there as a narrative point. Uh, the guy in Philly yesterday, for example, they're using Phil, they were using Philly as it was happening as a pushing narrative for gun control, despite the fact that the guy that was shooting at the police had multiple weapons violations previously, was not legally allowed to own any firearms, and at the time was using firearms that he obtained illegally. So that kind of that kind of shuts down any discussion about about gun control when he's using gun when he has marks against him that do not allow him to have guns. So he went an illegal route to obtain guns which builds the nar- which builds upon the narrative that it doesn't matter if you put blocks into play, people find ways around them. That doesn't mean that you can't have debates and come up with systems and have validations and, and background checking and things of that nature. It doesn't mean that you can't have that discussion, but it is a big heavy hit against the gun control crowd that believes that if you just get stricter, that everything will magically improve. And and me, obviously, I've tried to have this discussion. There's many underlying issues when it comes to mass shootings. There's many underlying issues. And one of the things that sickens me, almost as much as the shooting itself, I mean, nothing is more sickening than somebody who thinks that they can accomplish something by murdering lots of people. There's nothing more sickening than that. I mean there I mean let's not let's not it's apples to oranges to compare horrific crimes for real. But to indiscriminately just shoot up a Walmart because you're a racist bastard Or to indiscriminately shoot up a synagogue. Or indiscriminately shoot up a school. Or indiscriminately just shoot police officers. I mean, to carry something like that out, you have people who are not of sound mind, with agendas, with manifestos, who want attention, 
all that goes into play. But what I like this 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 truly disturbed me with the Philadelphia situation uh, with the shooting at the officers. You had a guy hole up into his house shooting out of his windows, pretty much. I mean, at police, yes, but pretty much indiscriminately as well. I mean, he's shooting into the streets, across the street, in the buildings. Like, they had to evacuate daycares and homes, and they had to stop people from walking down the street and being in this vicinity because this dude was just shooting. And one of the things that truly disturbed me is that the fact that there's people that stand around and just open up their cell phones and live stream this shit. And some people are like, well, that's, that's, that's the true information. That's the true thing. It's not the media getting involved. But it's disturbing that it would happen, that something like this could happen, and people go to live stream. People did it in the Walmart shooting. They were on Snapchat. They were doing Snapchats, walking around about how Walmart was getting shot up. People live streaming. It's happened with school shootings. There was a shooting in a mosque a while ago. I can't remember when. I can't remember some of the details. But that shooter live streamed it on the internet. And people fucking watched it. Why? Why? Why are you going to live stream that shit? Why are you going to watch that shit? And of course, what's the classic government thing? Oh, you know, these violent videos. Walmart said that they were pulling video games for a minute in response to the mass shooting. Well, we don't want the violent images of the video games around because, you know, of the sensitive subjects, so we're going to pull the video games. And then it came out, like, within hours later that that wasn't happening either. There's so many things that go into that conversation. I mean, we're not going to... We're not going to buckle into that right now. But there, there, there's so much more to talk about than just gun laws. Gun laws and gun restrictions is, is only a, a, a fraction of the equation there. And people don't want to have a discussion about it anyway. You have people who say if you're against gun control, then you automatically... 100% approve and, adv- and advocate what these sick individuals have done. That's the arguments that come out. Despite the fact that we have a Constitution and a Second Amendment, and we have legal processes of how this is supposed to work, but that all goes to the wayside. All of that goes to the wayside. But we've had three major shooting events. And I think all three of them involved some kind of live streaming or, or people recording as it was as it was going down. I mean, I mean, yes, I guess there's there's aspects of wanting to catch the people behind it and all that, but it doesn't seem like that's why it's being done in my in my eyes. And I can't I can't watch any of that. I can't I, I and you guys know, I work in a law enforcement field. I can't watch this stuff. I don't know how you guys can watch this stuff. If you do. It's it's rather sickening. Rather sickening. 
So, on top of that, we're getting ready to we're getting ready to kick off another Democratic debate. I think some people are finally dropping out. Hickenlooper just announced he's dropping out. Um, I think somebody else did. Delaney, I think he dropped dropped out. He might not have though. I don't know. I'm not 100 percent on that. Not 100 percent sure if the guy from King of the Hill dropped out yet. So hold on to your butts. But then you have people like Tulsi Gabbard, who's going to do two weeks of her active duty with the National Guard. I think she's taking two weeks off. She does. She did this last presidential cycle as well um, because she has balls, unlike some of those candidates who can talk about what we need to do in foreign interventions and where we need to send our troops. You have Tulsi Gabbard, who actively is in the armed forces while she's a congresswoman, while running for president, while saying we probably shouldn't do these foreign interventions and, and, and regime changes and warfare. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. But that has been the course of events over this past week that I wanted to update you guys on. And I'm going to call it quits right here for today because that was a mouthful. That was a mouthful to get through. But uh, as we progress through these next couple of weeks, uh, we're in sensitive territory now. Any minute now, I could be going to a hospital and helping my wife with the arrival of our daughter, of our daughter, and that is obviously that is the key, most important thing, and most exciting, the the most excited thing I've been for, I think, in my entire life, and I cannot, I cannot stress all the different thoughts and emotions and feelings that are going through my head right now. Um, I plan to do a new Fritz cast next week. Obviously, I plan to keep up the schedule, but. Just know and just pay attention to uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, my, my other sources. I'll keep you updated on, on how that's going. And then uh, when the big day comes, there's going to be some shakeups, and, and we might go through a lapse, um, and we might not have. Uh, we, might, we might go a couple weeks, maybe even a month or so, without a Fritz cast. Eh, I know. It's terrible, right? How, would you, how are you going to live? How are you going to live? I don't know. I don't know. We're, we'll tackle that bridge. As it comes. But just realize that that might happen. It might happen last minute. It might happen unannounced. And it is what it is. Um, but I, stu- I still love you guys. I'll still keep in touch with you guys. And then we'll, we will eventually get back to our regularly scheduled programming. Eventually. Okay. Just hold on in there. And by the way, um, I'm not 100% sure. But I think Monday I very well may be going on somebody else's show for an interview, so keep your eyes peeled for that because uh, it'll be it'll be more it'll be fun. We'll be I'll be able to take you guys on a journey to this guy's podcast, to this guy's platform. You can see him and check him out kind of like we did with Stephen Ignoramus, remember when I was on Call Me Ignorant or did you even watch that yet? Did you even listen to that yet? Call Me Ignorant. Stephen Ignoramus interviewed me. Check it out. Check it out. All right, guys. So you can follow me on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Fritzcast. Twitter, on Twitter, at FritzQS. And the Instagram account, drumroll, please, is at Fritzcast. Easy. Easy to do. Not that hard at all. All right. Love you guys, and I'll see you, hopefully, next week.